Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that promises to be present with us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, everybody. It's so good to be together. Just a massive thank you to Jono and the team that's leading us in familiar songs and familiar voices. It makes us feel like we're a bit, bit together and we can gather in our, even in our scatteredness. Um, and then obviously to Tix and her, her amazing team that's put together the Mother's Day messages. Well done, dads, for directing and recording your kids. Even the quiet, shy ones that eventually got to speak to us. Um, and then Tix for your kids' work and your kidsmen um, clips and your tips and your the stuff that you're contributing towards parents with young kids during this time. Just really big appreciation. There's a massive team behind us and um, we really appreciate all the hard graft that you're giving and putting into this time together. It's my job and my privilege this morning to kick off Luke. Um, we are starting to our series through the Gospel of Luke and, and I get to introduce it to you this morning and we're going to go for the first 25 verses together just a little bit later. But first let me introduce Luke to you. So who was Luke? Um, Paul calls him the, my beloved or the beloved physician. He was a doctor um, and it's very clear that, that Luke wrote the gospel with a different perspective. He, he's the only gospel writer that wasn't with Jesus in his three years of ministry. Um, Luke had to find witnesses. He went to family and friends and disciples. Um, and he, he would sit with them and, and, and hear their stories and their expressions and their experiences of Jesus and who Jesus was. And then he would write this down and he would um, write it into the Gospel of, book, of Luke. We also know that Luke wrote the book of Acts. Um, and so that, that means to us, if you're carrying and you, you're measuring it, um, that Luke contributed more to the New Testament than even the Apostle Paul wrote. So he's a very significant contributor to the, to the New Testament for us. We also, the beauty of Luke is that he's, he's gone to everyday people and asked their experience of Jesus. And he's put that into a beautiful gospel. And so the parallel for us and for you and I is that, that we are called as, as everyday folk to, to share our experience with Jesus with our friends. And so that's one of the, the parallels of Luke, one of the reasons it's such a beautiful book. I want to give you seven reasons quickly why we should get excited about it and what, what you should be looking forward to. Firstly... Um, Luke is a book filled with stories. It's like a storybook of the gospel. It's, the, it's a storybook of Jesus' life. It's filled with experiences and stories and encounters of people, ordinary people with Jesus. And the life of Jesus, obviously, is the central theme of this beautiful, beautiful gospel. It's called the most beautiful book in the world, the way it's written. Um, and that's not just by Christ followers or Christians or the church. Even secular folk, when they read the book of Luke, um, are adm admiring the, just in the beauty of how these, the storybook is written for us to enjoy. The second reason we get excited about Luke is it's the gospel of joy. If you, if you read Luke and you read Acts, you quickly notice that the theme of joy just is everywhere. The one scholar wrote that um, joy is a sure sign of the presence of God. That you cannot go, you can't be in the presence of God and not experience joy and life and and the, the life of Christ in us. And so you, we're going to read Luke. And don't be surprised as you read with us and as we study the book of Luke together. And as we as, we, as, we, as a church engage with the book of Luke, that joy would fill our hearts. And I'm trusting that that would happen even in this time. That joy would fill and grab hold of our hearts in a beautiful way. The third reason to get excited about Luke is that Luke is a gospel 
for all. It's the most universal gospel. Where Matthew wrote to the Jewish community, Mark wrote to the Romans, John wrote to the church, Luke writes to the everyday person. He writes to, to everybody. Everybody could, should be and could be um, able to read Luke and take something away. And what they'll take away from Luke is Jesus, the beauty of Christ in this story. Luke is also the, the gospel that if you have a friend that's searching or you have questions about Christ, I would tell you, go to Luke. It's the easiest to read. It's, it's, it's a personal gospel. It is, it's almost written for you personally where you can engage in the stories of Jesus and the gospel of Christ in, in a very powerful and very beautifully put way. Fourthly, Luke is written for the poor, for the lost, for the broken. For the poor, the lost and the broken. That's where we are spiritually without Christ, but he's also full with stories and full with truths for the poor that, that, are, that are not wealthy and not well off. Um, and for the broken, for people that are experiencing brokenness in their lives. Luke is an incredible, beautiful gospel for us to read together. Fifthly, Luke is for women. It just so happens that today is Mother's Day, but Luke is the gospel that, that brings women into the story of Jesus. He, he calls them co-laborers of Jesus. And in, the, in, the, in those days, it wasn't popular for women to be even acknowledged, let alone being given partnership in, in the work of the gospel. But Luke was very clear and almost determined to bring women into the story of Jesus' life. So when you read Luke, you're gonna, we're going to see some amazing women come to the fore um, and, and almost etched into the story of Jesus and etched into the gospel. So if you're a lady or a woman out there, you're going to love Luke because he, you're going to feel, hey, I'm in this story. I'm, I'm part of this beautiful story of Christ. Sixthly, Luke writes about life, family life. Um, he precedes Freud and he talks about Jesus growing up and he, and, he, and he brings the impact of the kind of family that Jesus grew up in and how that shaped Jesus, how that influenced Jesus and, and the, the role of family in Jesus. And so even for families, as, we, as you gather, maybe you gather with your kids, kids, mom and dad, Jesus was part of a family. He had a mom and dad, he had brothers, he grew up like you and it's, it's encouraging for us to know that. And then lastly, Luke is deeply, deeply spiritual. What I mean by that is that Luke is the gospel that spends most time or most references at angels, at the Holy Spirit. Luke speaks about prayer um, and the call to God more than any other gospel does he speak about the Spirit and our need of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit through the gospel. More than any other gospel does he speak about prayer and calls us to prayer. He mentions seven more prayers of Jesus than any other gospel mentions. So praying and spending time. Um, I'm sure that you and I are the one benefit of this lockdown period is, is in some ways it's it's pushed us towards spiritual growth, spiritually also being aware of where we're at, but also the need that we have for Christ. And so those, that, that's who wrote it. Those are seven great reasons why we should get excited about the Gospel of Luke and why we want to study it for a, a, a quite a lengthy time as a church. Um, but we're going to kick off this morning. And being Mother's Day, I decided to ask one of the moms, one of the grannies in our church, Michelle Elliott, to read for us. And she's going to read the first 25 verses of the Gospel of Luke. Won't you take a few seconds and turn there and we're going to start reading together. Thank you, Michelle. Luke 1, 1 to 25. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely, for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty 
concerning the things you have been taught, birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the div division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was entered, he went to his home. After these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach amongst people. Thank you, Michelle, for reading so beautifully for us. Um, so, who was the Gospel of Luke written for? It might come as a surprise to you, but it's written to Theophilus. We've just read it in the first five verses. It's literally written to one person and one person only. And perhaps the genius of Luke as this beautiful gospel is that it's actually written with only one person in mind. And the person, because it's written to one person, it also makes it very universal because we can all engage. We can, when you and I open our Bibles and we read Luke, we can go, this is for me. We can imagine that we are Theophilus, a believer or a young believer that is being taught by, by a physician who's carefully studied the life of Jesus and now teaching us about Jesus. And Luke's main aim in the gospel is to make sure that Theophilus grows up with a very clear um, understanding of who Jesus was and the ministry of Jesus. Um, obviously taking all the stories and experiences and um, the knowledge that he's gleaned from, from the eyewitness that we heard from earlier. And so... So here we have Luke writing to a young believer or a believer in Theophilus saying, this gospel is for you. What a beautiful, beautiful picture for us, for you and for me to know that when we read our Bibles, that it's for us personally and yet it's universal. The, the beauty of a personal letter is that we can read it all and go, 
wow, this is for us too. And there's two illustrations that, that I'm going to use here. There's a, there's a story of a, of a medieval monk that um, proclaimed on the one Sunday, next Sunday, I'm going to teach you and preach to you the gospel. Come and I'm going to teach you the gospel of love. And so the congregations gathered in the late afternoon and as the sun was setting and the cathedral became dark and, and gloomy and there's no light, the, this monk that served them walked up to the, the crucifix and he, he lit a candle. And as he lit the candle, he, he, he first he took the light of the candle to the crown and he, he showed the congregation the crown on Jesus' head. Then he moved down and he moved to the hands of Christ and he showed the, the holes in his hands on the cross. Then he moved to the side of Christ and he, he showed the, the, the gap in the side where the spear entered Jesus' flesh. And then the monk blew out the candle and slowly walked out of the cathedral. That was his sermon. What was he trying to say? He was showing his congregation, let me show you love. Let me show you Jesus on the cross. That was his entire message. And we get the sense in this book, in Luke, that that Luke is taking Jesus and he's saying to Theophilus, this is not just a new concept of God. This is a personal God. This is a God who loves you. This is a God that laid down his life for you. And so we see Theophilus working hard in this, in this beautiful gospel to show Luke who Jesus is. There's another very cool illustration of a, um, I'm just trying to think of the guy's name. Lloyd Douglas uses an illustration about a violin teacher um, and the, the student comes or man comes to the violin teacher and he says hey what's new and he the violin teacher looks at him and says um i'll tell you what's new said the teacher he grabbed his tuning fork and he he banged it and and it rung out and he says what is that and he says that is an a um and he said that's exactly that's an a he says but if you listen upstairs there's a it's a soprano rehearsing and her voice is terribly out of tune downstairs is a cello player that is that is just learning how to play, and the instrument is played very, very poorly. And there out on the one side of me, there's a terrible noise on that side. It's an out-of-tune piano being played. And the teacher said, I'm surrounded by all these noises every day, horrible noises. And then he banged the, the tuning fork again, and it was rung out. He says, what is that? He says, that's an A, a clear, clear A. He says, yep, it's an A. it was an A yesterday, it's an A today, and it'll be an A tomorrow. This is what Luke is doing for Theophilus. He's saying, let's read. If you read this gospel, Jesus will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is a reminder of Christ and who he is. And now we're going to change gears because we're going to look at the beginning of Luke. And it introduces us to this very special couple. Let me read it for us again. Verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were in advanced years. Verse 5 to 8 is a beautiful CV of this amazing couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Faithful, blameless couple before God. I've got a question for you this morning. Um, I'm not sure if you're like me, every now and then, two, three in the morning, I can't sleep, I need, to, I need something to drink, or maybe snack a bit in the kitchen, not, not, not everybody knows that. Um, but imagine the next time it's 2 a.m. in the morning, and you sneak off to the kitchen, as you switch on the kitchen light, 
right in front of your very eyes stands an angel in all its glory and form. And, it, and this angel calls you by name. What are you going to say? What would you do if that happened to you tomorrow? We're going to see just now that that happens to Zechariah in the middle of his duties. But there's two things that we just want to look at this couple quickly before we move on. Firstly, it says that they walk blamelessly before God. Most of us are playing our lives out for someone. Most of us are living with, with in the back of our head, who's watching us, who, who's important that they would see us. Most of us, um, if we're honest with ourselves, live even our Christian lives, our, the, the good things that we do, um, hoping that we would impress the right people or that the right folk would see us. All because it, we, we manage the opinion. We, we manage the opinion of others. We, we say and we behave in a way that others would think good of us. What stands out in, this, in these few powerful verses is that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived out their lives before God. He was their audience. He was the one that they cared most of and for his opinion, what he thought of them. And what a challenge for you and I that, we, that in these days and in, in, in our walk with Christ, that what really matters is what Christ and what Jesus thinks of us. And Luke makes clear that we hear that. And then there are also a couple that suffer. Um, for the Jews, many Jews did not very, many many Jews did not believe in heaven or eternity. For them, their children, what as their inheritance was their eternity, was their eternal name, their 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 future was in their children. And so, for a Jewish couple to not have children was an incredibly hard thing to deal with. Um, lamenting, suffering, the loss of that. Um, for them, this was it. The only life they had was now. There wouldn't be children to take their name or their inheritance further. They would end at their death. And so we see this, this couple both worshipping and serving God blamelessly, yet in the midst of suffering. And what an encouragement for us at the moment that are experiencing some loss, suffering and lament in this time. That we can still serve God in a beautiful way. So this is who they are and this is how the story and the book of, and the gospel of Luke starts. And then we read further. And we're going to look now at how God interrupts Zechariah's life and, and Elizabeth's life in a beautiful, in the most beautiful way. We're going to read from verse 8 to verse 13 together. Won't you read with me in your Bibles if you have them? Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priest, he had chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And a whole multitude of people were praying outside and at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw them, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. This is my favorite part of the story of the section that we're reading in our 25 verses. This is where God interrupts, where, where God is not the gentleman that, that waits for us to open the door. One of the, the readers I read this, this, this week speaks of, I love this, God is no gentleman. Neither is he a raven gently tapping, tapping on the door. He interrupts, he imposes, he intrudes. He is in, in disinterested in etiquette or nonplussed with cosmic courtesies. No, 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 he breaks the gravestone of our heart and wakes the dead. God is not waiting for an invitation. Um, for us and we have on our kitchen window a robin that every now and then will tap 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 on the window waiting for for breadcrumbs we leave it on the on the on the window shelf 
and he'll tap, 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 waiting. He'll fly away. We'll put some crumbs out, and a few minutes later, he'll come and eat from there. Um, but this is not what's happening in this story. What we see here, this exciting moment, is um, there's 24 divisions in, in the, in the, of priests that are serving um, almost communal incense or sacrificing offerings before God. And out of this division, Zechariah just so happens to be, it's his turn. And his name is drawn out of the lot and his turn to go burn incense. And while he's performing his priestly duty, he's going about his business that he's prepared for, he's, he's, he's been praying for all his life. In the midst of this moment, people outside are worshipping God. It's a high moment. And in the midst of all this public worship and public time and, and him fulfilling his duty, an angel appears. I mean, we see his reaction. Um, he's fearful. He didn't see this coming. He, he wasn't, wasn't expecting this. He was just doing what he was being trained for, for all his life. And this beautiful moment in how God just, by, by the means of an angel, interrupts and interjects into Zechariah's life. Um, and I'm sure that if you and I looked at our lives and our journey with faith, um, that we would look at, at a moment where God interrupted our lives, where, where God panned into our lives, where He broke the, the heart, the, the hard heart, and He opened our hearts or He opened our eyes to the gospel. And yes, what's happening for Zechariah? God is interrupting, God is breaking in. And I'm praying this morning that God would interrupt your life, that, that there would be moments um, today, maybe moments this week, where God will just grab your attention and He won't wait for the invitation. No, no, He will just. He will like in Paul, what happened to Paul and his salvation, where God knocked him off his horse and, and grabbed his attention and caused him to be blind until he saw the gospel. I'm praying that that would happen. But during this time, Zechariah's reaction is, is quite interesting. Even a holy man of God is fearful. And then the, these words that the angel says to Zechariah, what an incredible comfort for us this morning. He says, your prayers, your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. I want to say to you, we do not pray to a deaf God or a God who is not able to reach us. No, our prayers are heard. Every prayer that you and I pray, God hears. And now we're going to move to where, where God answers that prayer. And we're going to see the fulfillment of that incredible promise that God makes to um, Zechariah. Let's turn to our Bibles again. We're going to read the next three verses or four verses of, in our journey. Verse 14 to verse 17. Let's read together. And you will have joy and gladness. Look at Luke again. I'm emphasizing joy in, in this beautiful gospel. And many will rejoice in his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, remember earlier we mentioned Luke's um, a spiritual gospel. He reminds us of the, the spiritual dynamic of our faith. Even from his mother's womb. And he will, and he will turn many of the children of Israel, to the Lord their God. So Israel will turn from religion to God, and He will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedience to, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Here we come to the place where the angel on behalf of God makes a promise to Zechariah. The angel promises Zechariah that he personally would have joy and gladness, and that many would rejoice in the birth of his son. What an incredible promise. The promise of joy and rejoicing, that there would be gladness in, in his heart. Um, for us, the, the son that is born is Christ that brings joy and gladness for us. And the promise of God is when we come to Christ, joy and gladness fills our heart. When um, we, we, through lockdown, have gone through certain uh, moments, me personally, um, I've had a few days where Chloe had to be rushed 
off to Cape Town, the lift um, created, there was a lift created um, in a hurry and within 24 hours my daughter was on, after 40 days together on a, in a car with friends down to Cape Town and I found myself the day after that and also after 40 days in lockdown lamenting a bit, just uh, filled with a bit of sadness and missing people, etc. I didn't have my best days or my strongest days but in my one quiet time, in my devotional hours, we were reminded again of just God's love for us and God's um, continuous love that He never changes for us. And I realized that so, the moments that I've, my heart um, sinks when I, when I am sad, most of those moments is because I've taken my eyes off Christ and what He's done for me. I've taken my eyes on, and I've placed my eyes on something other than Christ. I've found my joy somewhere else. And yes, there's, there's lament, yes, there's loss, yes, there's suffering. But when we look at Christ and we compare what Christ has done for us and this incredible grace, gift and love and generosity from Him, joy and, and gladness fills our heart. And, and, and this comes with the promise of God. Jesus says, if you come to me, you will receive love and life, and life abundantly. Um, and so there's this beautiful promise that God's made to us, makes to us here. But we also know that John, as his son, one day will bring joy and will preach and prepare the way for Jesus but he would end up losing his life um, for Christ and be beheaded. Um, and there's a challenge here for us. In the Jesus speaks of if we want to gain our lives, we have to lose our life. Uh, when a seed falls to the ground it then and dies, then life comes and it, it reproduces. And so you and I are, are, are very much caught to this where, where Christ calls us to lay down our lives for him, where we, where we lay down our lives for others, where we serve others with the gospel. And this is a beautiful promise that God gives to this beautiful couple. And then he delivers on the promise. This faithful God delivers. And we're going to end today, today's message with the last five or six verses together from verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is in advanced years. That's a very kind way of talking about an old lady. My wife is in advanced years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. And behold, you will be, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words. It's almost too good to be true for Zechariah, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at the delay in the temple. Where is this guy? Why is he taking so long burning incense? And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Verse 23. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Here we get to the passage and the, the place where God's angel again reinforces the promise of God, reassuring Zechariah, but also challenging him and saying, you won't speak until the promise has been fulfilled, almost as a punishment in some ways of not believing God. Um, the scary or the challenging part of the scripture is that even sometimes in our, in our service of God, in our religious duty of God, we can still not believe God. Um, and just because we do all the right things, because we, we tick all the religious boxes, doesn't as we translate into us knowing God or us trusting God as our Father. Um, but yet when we know the presence, we know the character and nature of God, we, we grow in our faith. And here we have also the angel promising that John would be filled with the Spirit even in the womb. And this is quite a, a, a radical change um, compared to the Old Testament and the 
the, the, what the Jews and the relationship with the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit used to come upon kings and prophets for specific tasks. So we think of Gideon, the Spirit came upon him and he led Israel into battle. Moses, the Spirit came upon him um, and he led Israel out of Exodus. And so this is the first time in Scripture where, 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 where Luke is speaking, he's saying the Spirit comes and will be within him. And even in Pentecost where, where, where Luke writes in Acts, about the Spirit coming within us and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's radical for us and such good news for us. And so John is the, the prototype, the trendsetter, um, the first that's filled with the Spirit in the New Testament that we, we read of. And then we see this beautiful story and this chapter um, or section of the, of the introduction of Luke come to an end this morning where where the promise is fulfilled, where Zechariah and Elizabeth give birth to a child in Luke 1 verse 24 says this, after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. God restored God restored Zechariah and Elizabeth, their shame, their suffering, um, their faithfulness for God. He saw that and he restored them in a beautiful way. And when we look at this today, the, just to recap again, just remember that Luke is a gospel for you and for me. It is a personal gospel. It is you and me getting to know Jesus through these stories, through the richness of Luke. And then we, we start off the gospel of Luke with this beautiful couple that is faithfully serving God. I want to encourage you, faithfully serve God in this time. Be faithful to God. Look out for the interruptions. God will interrupt you with His grace. We don't deserve it. We don't look for it. We don't, we don't earn the grace of God. It just comes knocking our lives, uh, our lives right. It, it opens our eyes when we were blind, as the, the songwriters and the hymn writers would say. And I'm praying that God will interrupt your life. I, I pray that you would expect and, and trust God for those interruptions. That, he, that His grace and His mercy would interrupt you. If you're finding yourself in a low place where you are lamenting and you are sad or you are suffering at the moment. I pray that God would find that God's grace would interrupt your life. That, that at 2 a.m. in the morning when you don't expect it, God would in the most beautiful way interrupt your life. Trust God and His promises. Trust Jesus when He says, come to me. And I will give you a life and a life abundantly. Trust Jesus that when he promises, he fulfills. When Jesus said to the woman at the well, um, if you come to me, you'll never thirst again. I want to invite you this, this morning. If you're not a Christ follower, won't you, won't you invite Christ? Won't you, won't you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior? Won't you, won't you bow the knee before him? Won't you, won't you throw yourself onto Christ and say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your mercy this morning. Even if you're a Christ follower, won't you freshly... Um, kneel before Christ. Won't you freshly pour your life and throw your life onto Christ and trust Him for, for your life and with your life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, that you can trust Jesus together. And as this segment ended this morning, God fulfills the promise and He redeems His people. I pray that God would do that for us. Let's pray together this morning as we end our time together. Jesus, thank you for this beautiful gospel of Luke. We are so looking forward to as a people, as a church, journeying through this. Thank you for the example of Zechariah and Elizabeth, just faithfully serving you, and then you, by your grace, interrupting them, that you are no gentleman, you don't wait for an invitation, you step into our lives. I pray that for myself, my friends, my family, that you would step into our lives, that, that we would expect it, that we would, we would trust you when, you when you interrupt our lives. 
Jesus, thank you that you are faithful, that what you promise you, what you promise you deliver on. You promised Zechariah and Elizabeth a son, and she conceived a son, John. You promised that he would be full of the Spirit. We know that John was full of the Spirit. I pray that, that we would be full of the Spirit, that you would come and fill us in our homes, even right now. Freshly we come before you. Freshly we invite you to come interrupt our lives, Jesus. Um, come and fill our lives, Holy Spirit, with your strength, with your power, with your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for, for joining us. I hope in some small way I've whet your appetite for the rest of our journey through Luke. And invite your friends along. Let's, let's do this together. Let's discover Jesus freshly, personally, um, together over the next few months. Just a, a last quick note. We're going to just put a, a slide up at the end of our time together. And I just want to, from the elders, uh, make ourselves available. The elders are so keen, and their wives, to be praying for you and with you personally. And should you, at any stage, um, need prayer or, or would like someone to pray with you, maybe a voice call or a video call or a WhatsApp even, um, won't you just message or get hold of this number and they'll get in touch with one of the elders and we'd love to pray with you during this time. Don't do this alone. Let's do this together. We love you. We'll see you next week.